Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to Just Around the Corner on 4680Q here in the beautiful Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Dan. I'm Dave, and today we'll be talking to someone you may remember as Big Pussy from The Sopranos, Mr. Vincent Pastore. Now, last week, we had a great time with the other Vinny. Vinny Mad Dog Lopez, the original drummer from the E Street Band, it was a great show. You can catch all of our shows now on Spotify. Just recently, we put all the uh, podcasts up on Spotify and in a lesser quality on uh, lightedaycanada.com slash podcast. You'll also find them here at 4680q.ca. I'm really excited about next week's show. Uh, that's on March 21st. Uh, and we've got Dave Rave. From uh, Teenage Head, uh, you may remember him from the Shakers, and his bandmate from Dave Raven, the Second Responders, Jack Siperek. I'm really excited about this. You may also know him as a, he's in a little band called The Trues, one of Canada's top bands. Really, really looking forward to next week's show. And I'm looking forward to today's show, which we'll be getting to really shortly. Now, this past weekend, uh, I was in... Um, Port Colborne, Ontario. I was invited out to Port Colborne to uh, Canal Side Restaurant by the owners Rosemary and Greg Poisson. And uh, I hope I got the last name right. Uh, Poisson, Poisson, sorry, Greg. Uh, anyways, they invited me there for a Czech presentation. So they had three events a few weeks ago that they held. One was a cook-off, one was Name That Tune, and a California mus a music tribute that we put together. Uh, with Evan Rotella and 4680Q's Rick Rose. They played uh, songs from some of their California, some of their favorite California artists, Warren Zevon, the Eagles, Jackson Brown. It was a great, great show. And in total, with those three events, they raised $1,500. And then they kindly matched that $1,500 to bring the total to $3,000. Uh, what a great, great start to uh, the Light of Day 2023 campaign. We're just working on that now. We're just going after our headliner. We will be bringing you news about the upcoming show shortly, uh, so look forward to that. So I want to thank you, uh, Rosemary and Greg, for uh, all you've done for Light of Day, for having Evan out to all the shows that you have him out for, but for what you do for Light of Day, your support, and uh, we're going to make you honorary sponsors for all you did this weekend. Here's a little something you might know from the soundtrack of The Sopranos. Today's guest on Just Around the Corner, you may have guessed, <laughs> it's Mr. Vincent Pastore. He was born in the Bronx and grew up in New Rochelle, New York. If I got any of that wrong, I'm sure he'll let me know. You've seen him in movies, on TV, Broadway, in reality shows like The Celebrity Apprentice, on stage with the Gangster Squad, and you've heard him on several podcasts. He hosted Light of Day Canada four, six, eight, and 9, and will forever be known as Big Pussy for one of the greatest shows of all times, The Sopranos. Please welcome to Just Around the Corner, Vinny Pastore. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly, Vinny. How you doing? 
Well, it's good. It's kind of cool to be talking to you on the phone, you know, like old school. You know? <laughs> well, we, the last time we did something, it was uh, it was on Zoom, and yeah. uh, you know, you helped us out with one of our uh, lighted day shows yeah. that we did a little yeah, while ago. Zoom is cool, you know. I mean, I actually the true story about Zoom is that when COVID hit us, uh, little Stevie said to me, "We got to go on Zoom and do all work," you know, because we were doing theater with me and Maureen. Right, and I said Zoom, and I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Most and people boy, didn't. He was like, you know, the capo, the tutti, the capo, <laughs> say you're gonna do it. That's what we call my uncle. And we did it, and he said to me, "How'd you do? You were great." And I said, "I had my friend Louis Vitulli holding cue cards. Would you care?" <laughs> and Louis's listening right now, right? We sent him the links. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right uh, what that? So, correction: I, I was born in Portchester. Okay. Grew up in New Rochelle, and then I migrated to the to the boogie down Bronx. I live out here on City Island. Ah, and then you're getting a little bit of snow out here. Yeah, I'm not getting it not as so bad. bad as I just came back from Boston. Uh, we were up there, me, uh, Michael, Imperial, and Steve Schripper. We did a show uh, at the Bach Theater. Uh, I saw it was that. so cool because uh, Van Morrison had been there three weeks earlier. Oh, so cool. anyway, we did it to like 1,200 people. And like everybody was saying, oh, the weather, the weather, the weather. And, uh, uh, you know, it's not bad. Yeah, it's the same with us. They told us it was going to be this crazy stuff. Yeah, it's today. not bad. Nothing's I going mean, on. You know, come on. Now, that Soprano know. show you did with those guys, is that something you do a lot? Or was that a Yeah, we took it to Australia. Yeah. Really? How'd that go? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a show that uh, uh, Stephen... And Michael created, and um, uh, it uh, we open up with a comedian, and then we do um, a Q and A with this comedian Joey Cola, same guy, and then we uh, and you know we riff riff, and we tell stories and we have visual stuff to go along with the stories, and then we do a Q and A to the audience. It's a lot of fun. Now, is there anything you haven't done? I was going, through, I was going through that I haven't done. Yeah, you've done everything. You've you've been. No, no. I'm going to tell you what I want to do. Can I tell you what I really want to do? Sure. I want to sing the blues like John Lee Hooker. Really? Yeah, well, I got a good band. We got you. Got to you. Got to say, Vinny, come up with your band for Light of Day. I'll come up with Bocce like the old days. We'll have a blast. So, is Bocce still in that? Like, is that the Gangster Squad? Is that what you're talking about? Well, Bocce, when I do, yeah, when I do the gigs down in Jersey at the Wonder Bar, uh, Bocce's on board, uh, and sometimes uh, 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 people don't know who Bocce is, it's Tony Amato from Bocce Galoop and the Bad Boys. That's right. Great, and sometimes great. he comes up to, to the cutting room. Yep. Uh, up here, I also have Benny Harrison, who runs around with, uh, with Felix, with the Rascals, and I have Al Orlo, who... Played on Broadway, played with Benny King. I have uh, Eddie you, Denise. Sammy LaMonica play with you at all? Sammy Sammy's not playing. Well, I know he's not playing right now, but did he play with you? He for was. He yeah. was my okay. Jersey drummer. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 yeah and then now I got Kevin Tooley, who plays with television. Um, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, I got a real good band. Well, we got to bring band. you to Light of Day Canada. I want to come up and do the music thing with you guys. I oh. really do. Well, we're we're planning for September, the end of September. If you're around, yeah, all right. So bring me up. You got now. I don't have to bring everybody up there because I got guys up there. That's what I did when I did the Hard Rock in Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, Peter got me guys. Peter Elkis. Yeah. Oh, we could do the same. So thing if here. I go up there and do it, then Peter plays with me. Oh, that'd be great. And Peter got me a drummer. It's not hard. 
No. And I got a sax play that comes over from um, Pittsburgh. You know, it, you know, as long as you bring your musical director, you're in good shape. That's right. Like and, Frank Sinatra. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. So I told you I could only talk to you 15 minutes. My wife just said you could talk a little longer. She likes the show. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's funny because we always say it's going to be 40, 45 minutes, and then Tony Pellegrosi and I like to talk, Joe Durso. Yeah, yeah. Then it goes on. I was just talking to my daughter because she's calling me about, you know, all this thing about Bruce. It's going to be a show. Like, I know. So I says, wait, I says, I got to go. I said, David from Light of Day is calling me. She says, oh, she said, let's go. She, my daughter wants to travel now. They're all big now. Well, yeah. Well, they all want to come see these shows. So we should do something. I'm serious, David. Well, yeah, okay. and I'm serious, too. We loved having you. Like, I didn't realize when I was looking back. I mean, you did four of our Light of Day Canada. You were host for, for four of our shows. So you know. I was on the phone with Toons the other day. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they I just called them up when I was passing show. through... Uh, uh, Providence in Boston, and then I said to him, um, "I'll come to my show because we're doing Providence uh, April 1st And he says he's going to be at uh, some. I, th I think Daryl's house on April first. But it's nice that we all met through Light of Day. You know, people talk about. Tell them who Tunes is. Yeah, I was just going to say for those of you who don't know, Tunes is uh, for, he's the sax player, and he was in Eddie and the Cruiser. He's the sax player from John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown, and they've played two of our shows, and I think both of the shows that they headlined, you were the host at. Because I was going through all the old photos, I'm like, oh. Yeah. yeah, you know who, who I got guys. really close with because uh, when I brought my soprano shows with Michael and Stephen, yes. the Pittsburgh uh, Grisecki showed up with his son. Oh, ah, really? Yeah, because now we're in Hinso, you know, and uh, he came backstage. He loved the show, and now what Joe's been doing, um, Joe Grisecki with the House Rock, is he's been sending me like this. Uh, he's he's been writing. You know, well, yeah, they got so a new we've been, album. We've been on that new. level. We've been, I've been, you know, looking at his material and stuff. He's getting, he's getting, you know, a lot of us get more creative as we get older. I don't know what that's about. Some of I guess we better. have more time. Well, Grushecki's writing is, I mean, he's always been great, but I mean, he's, yeah. every album yeah. is getting better yeah. and better and better. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Joe's a great guy. We got a great Light of Day family. Were you there that, were you there that night when I walked on stage and Bruce was doing Murder Incorporated and I just walked on stage? No, where was that? Down at, in Asbury. Oh, yes, I did. Sorry, I was there. I do and I walked that. out on stage, and he looked at me, and I just folded my arms because yes. he was doing Murder <laughs> Incorporated. He's like, what the heck's going yeah, on? Yeah, like, what the fuck is he doing out here? So the following <laughs> year, we're in the dressing room, Yeah. and uh, Bruce says, okay, let's go over the show. So I looked to him, and I said, we're doing Murder Incorporated? He said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it made a lot of sense. You standing there with your arms folded during Murder, Inc. I mean, that makes sense. Told, uh, in other words, when he said, no, no, don't come out on stage no more. <laughs> you know, the finale's different. Yeah, yeah. No, no. The I, finale's are different. For people who have never seen the show, you tell them. Everybody's out there, including your kid. Your kids are out there. Oh, yeah. We've had a great time. But, you know, it's funny you say that because I remember when Gary Bonds headlined and you were the host. And you and Gary were, you guys were doing something that you guys had cooked up in the back room, and you guys were rocking the place, and uh, a guest, uh, an unannounced guest walked out and tried to sing with you guys, and it, it didn't go over well with Gary, if you recall. <laughs> he was, he Who actually walked finished, out? You can't say? I can't say, but I, I will say that uh, Gary uh, finished that song, 
And I don't remember that. Yeah, I, you know, I remember up. me and Gary down at the at the Stone Pony the first night ever for me with Light of Day, and we were hosting, and both of us got drunk. Oh really? <laughs> well, so they never asked us to host again. <laughs> that does happen once in a while at Light of Day. Yeah, well, too. Gary's great. Yeah, I love he was, Gary. He was Gary great. does Stevie's uh, Little Stevens uh, Policeman's Ball every year uh, in the city. Uh, for the detectives endowment and stuff, and uh, how old is so I Gary? see Gary. I see every. I see Gary every year. Yeah. How's he, how he? Like, how old is he now? He's he's got to be he's, in his. He's mid-80s. older than me, and you put together. <laughs> and he's still singing like a champ. So you got to give him credit. So listen, before we get to the light of day stuff, because I do want to go. You know, you've been a big part of light of day. You've been a big supporter, but you've also yeah. got your own story. I just wanted because I've got. We've got a lot of listeners. I know all of Evan's friends are like you. You got to be kidding. Vinny Pastore's on the show. So I want to ask you a few questions uh, about your your acting career because I mean I, I was doing a little bit of research you know I mean I've known you for years but I wanted to look some stuff up and I read something where you were you owned uh, clubs and Kevin and Matt Dillon kind of nudged you into acting is that true? Well, uh, I ran a series of clubs in uh, New Rochelle. Right. And, you know, Kevin and Maddie and the other brother Paul used to come into my clubs. But they used to come to the Crazy Horse. Oh, right, the Crazy Horse. That was my landmark. In fact, me and Michael talk about it on the Soprano show. And he even wrote in an episode that he bought a bar and he called it Crazy Horse. That was in tribute to me. So we had this bar called the Crazy Horse. And Kevin and Maddie would go DJ a lot. And people said, who's that up there? They, You know. They didn't know it was really Maddie right. and and Kevin, and they were all good to me. And then what happened is that I uh, and it's in my play I wrote. It's in uh, I lost that bar. Uh-huh. Uh, I yeah. Ooh, phew. So I'm delivering furniture and doing all that. So somebody gets in touch with me and they says they got another bar for me to run. I said I don't want to go back into the bar <laughs> So they talked me into doing it. So I'm running another bar. And 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 Maddie and uh, Kevin loved it even more because it was closer to the Iona College, and they used to like to go and hang out on the North Avenue. Okay. And and so now they were coming in even more, and I had uh, a lot of good people that I ended up acting with later on. Anthony Rubastella worked the door, and and uh, Timmy Curtin from Pig Vomit used to play. Really? So one night, yeah, the phone rang, and it was Stephanie who was seeing Kevin at the time, and she said, um, do you know, I think it was the grandfather passed away, and they're looking for a place to go tonight. I said, come down here. So they all came down, and I had the food in the back set up and everything, and they come, I locked the door, and, and we put on Pope of Greenwich Village. Oh, wow. Just sitting there watching TV. It was me, Maddie, Kevin, and Maddie looked up, and he said, I swear to God, he said, you could do that. <laughs> really? That's cool. Yeah, that's how it started. So what, and then he leaned over and he said to Kevin, why don't you hook him up with Charlie Massey? He said, because Vic Ramos is too busy. See, he was talking about management. Okay. So I had a shot in the arm from these kids. Very and I'm cool going to tell you something. Uh, I'm proud to say that those two kids saw something in me. Uh, and I was able to um, uh, take it to where I took it. You know, I wound up doing a movie with Maddie. Uh, you know, um, and uh, and I wind up going to Saudi Arabia with Kevin. Very cool. Well, what was your first yeah. role then? Like, what, what was your very first? My first acting, acting role yeah. ever. Yeah. 
Uh, actually, it was. It came out of Toronto. It was really? called the Black something. <laughs> You've been connected to Canada for all these years. See, there that you was the Black something. It was, it was a, a horror something. movie. Was Come say, on, stop. And I, I and it was. They, they came was down. Happened? They came down. Black something. And anyway, that was my first acting job. But my first sincere, true acting film job, because yeah. I was doing theater before that. The film was a movie called True Love, and in True Love was Annabella Sciorra and Aida Totoro and Ron Eldard, and we all became, and Star Jasper, we all became a family from that movie. And that movie won the Sundance, so I was on my way. Yeah. I was on my way. Right out of the gate, first movie I do, it wins Sundance. Wow. Now, so what was, you know, now, you've been in, I've, like I said earlier, I mean, you, you've been on Broadway, you've done reality shows, you've, you know, stage and screen. What was your, what, what's been your, let's forget about The Sopranos first, because we'll talk about that, but what was your favorite role? What was one of your favorite movies, let's say, that you did? My favorite thing I've done in my career was playing, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the character I played in uh, Bullets Over Broadway for Woody Allen. Really? Yeah, that's just recently too, right? That's three years ago. Three years yeah. ago, yeah, yeah or maybe four. Yeah, because what happened um, with that? It was a process where I didn't know where I was going, what I was going to do, you know, because I wasn't getting that much work. Right. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, my friend Al Sapienza from The Sopranos calls me up and he says, "Did you audition for Woody Allen's play? You're perfect for the lead role." And the movie was Joe Vitarelli, and I knew Joe very well. Right. The movie was Joe Vitarelli of Bullets Over Broadway. So I said, no, he said, call it your agent. Meanwhile, I'm in front of Woody Allen, and it was either me or Tony Darrow. Really? And it came down to me, and that's when I met Nicky Codero, uh, who went on to do Bronx Tale. And Nicky's from Hamilton. Well, speaking of that... The yeah, owner, the owner of this radio station, yeah. he said that you were friends from the uh, with someone from the Bronxdale that he knows, Lou Veneria. Does that, does that ring a bell? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he, he knows Louis Scoops. Louis Scoops. Ah, oh, yeah. He didn't say Louis Scoops, but he goes, oh, it's yeah, like Louis, Louis. He, yeah, he said, we are, Louis was in Bronxdale. Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. I know we're all friends. Louis sings. Really. Yeah, why? Well, you want to bring him up to Canada? Let's do it. <laughs> well, first we're going to start with you. First we're going to start with you. You know what I need? Listen, let everybody hear it. I need rooms. Yeah, that's no problem. That's what I need. I ain't sleeping on no trailer. Niagara Falls has a lot of rooms. It's one thing oh, we do. Oh, is that where we're going to do this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, the show's going to be in Niagara. It's going to be in the fall. We're just working on it now. So I'm. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, no. It's uh, It's been a little bit of hiatus. Thanks. Well. Yeah. Well, I got my four-wheel drive. You, well, it'll be in September. You won't. You won't need. Okay. You won't All need right. it. We don't. It All doesn't right. snow okay. here until December, so we're All right. <laughs> so we're good there. Now, listen, we are going to talk about uh, you know probably one of the greatest shows. I just finished watching it actually for the second time. I I don't normally watch a series more than once, but I I decided to put The Sopranos on and watch it for the second time, and it was just as good. In fact, I probably caught more of it the second time around. Uh, what was that experience like? Everybody in the world knows The Sopranos. Now, well, even the more than they do that was black this, and, I, and I tell you something because <laughs> it's good to tie all this in because you know I met you through music. Yes, we did. I'm walking up Ninth Avenue one day, and little Stevens walking down. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. Right. Next thing I know, we're sitting at a table, and we're reading the pilot of The Sopranos, 
and uh, and he smiles at me, and I smile at him. That's when I met Stephen. Really? Yeah. So who asked you, David Chase or Stephen? Asked me what? To be in The Sopranos. I auditioned. What are you talking about? Who oh, you auditioned. Me? Oh, no, I didn't know if David Chase just I wanted you. Well, you're, you were so good. I mean, you were in that movie, The Black No, we the all were. We, what happened is we talk about this on stage. We we, we came off of Gotti. Gotti was a hit for HBO. Oh, that's so right. So practically everybody from Gotti wind up working on The Sopranos. That's right. I did watch that, too. Frank Pellegrino, Frankie Vincent, Dominic yep. Giannese, me, Sirico. We were all working on... Um, yeah, that was great, Gotti. Yeah, we all working on we all worked on the Sopranos because we they already knew what we could do. Gotcha. Okay. No, that, that, it, no, so what was it like? I guess working with James Gandolfini. I mean, the, the man is. Uh, it's Jimmy, sad that he's gone. you know, like I said, we talk about this on the show as well. Jimmy's an angel because Jimmy, Jimmy was a character actor who got a break. Right. He's a you know he was he was in, he wasn't the leads in the movies that he was doing. He was co-starring you know with right. Denzel and Crimson Tide, True Romance. He was co-starring um, a Get Shorty, but now he's a lead. Wow. You know, and um, and he had a lot of weight to carry. Yes, he did. He had to carry that whole show. Oh yeah, I mean. So that's a commitment, man. That's a commitment. And Jimmy, uh, what happened is we, uh, we it, it's almost like a, 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 we talk about this, me and Michael talk about it a lot when, we, when we're doing the show. Uh, so it's almost like a method approach where we really became a family. Really? Well, I was close with Tony Sirico already. Re- I knew Tony from the club days. Yeah. yeah what and a I cast. knew Tony from those days. And I knew Michael when he was a kid. He used to come to the crazy horse. Now, how come, you know, how come Stevie it, never invited you on to Lilyham? That was a, I, I actually started watching that again as well. Well, there was something about he said it's either you or Sirico. He talked to me. I, Stevie's my brother. And he said, let me give Tony the job because I was running around with the Rascals. Oh, right. They, uh, Stephen was yeah. doing that Rascal so show. He, won, right. he said, let me give it to Sirico. You got the Rascals. Okay, gotcha. You know, he gave me the Rascals. Well, and it was only a small part in the Lee Hammer, anyways. It was the last episode. No, no, no. It's, uh, does, it don't matter. Bruce did a small part. Yeah, yeah. It was the same. Priest. Yeah, he, he played. It, no, he played the uh, the Undertaker. It was uh, Sirico was, was the priest. Yeah, yeah. In the last in episode. that episode, and Nikki yeah. Cadero was in that episode too. Yes, he and was. Stephen gave Nikki his sad card or got him his sad card. Really? Yeah, from that shot. Yeah. Well, you, I don't know if you remember, but I am a diehard little Stephen fan. My favorite album of all time is still Men Without Women. It's still one of the greatest albums I've ever listened to. Are you guys still really tight? Like, guys, you stay in touch all the time, you and Stevie? Well, I'm directing his wife on a play. I think that's close enough. I think so. What plays that, Vinny? It's called Marlon Brando Sat Right Here, written by Louis LaRusso. Oh, cool. Which, we, uh, which was done originally with Paul Savino. Uh, back in the day, um, and we had done it before, and Maureen and I were looking for something to do. We were working on my play, but then we flipped things around, and I said, why don't we do something where I could direct you? She said, I said yeah, I want to direct you, because we just worked on Streetcon. I was able to direct her. And, you know, we're like brothers and sisters, you know? That's and, what it sounds uh, like. Yeah, it's a good relationship, what I think. So she's the lead. Bobby Fanaro is a co-star, and I got 11 other people up there on stage. And it's a project, but we're going to do the cutting room, and then we're going to Wonderball. Debbie said we could do it down there. Oh, really? Yeah, in July. 
Well, I tell so, you, I, you know, Maureen's it's, it's a good what actress. What you do is you just go on stage, David, and you have your scripts and you perform. You know. Yeah. You, you know, you don't have sets and stuff. It, you know, it's entertaining. You know. Well, I, I found it. Maureen was a. She did a great job in her role in uh, Lilyhammer. Uh, I don't know. Did you catch all of Lilyhammer? I never saw that show. Don't start. You're gonna look. You're gonna get me in trouble. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to get you in trouble. No, she did a really good job. She was. How did you I get Lilyhammer? How did you get it on the computer or something? Uh, I think it's. Uh, I think it's Netflix. I'll send you the link. Netflix. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix right now. Because I just rewatched. Well, that you as would well. think. No, no. I'll get it. I'll get it on. I'll talk to it. No, no. no I'll he get give it, it to I'll you directly. It. Yeah, I just <laughs> never watched it. So you know, now you got me because I'm home a lot. I'll ask her Wednesday. All right, what's next? <laughs> Let me see what's on your list get off here. That damn time. So you got me questions. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, how did you prepare uh, before you shot Lilo? Okay, I didn't say that. You didn't say that. <laughs> you you want to know my next question? My next question is is really what? for me because I want to know how it was. What was your experience like on Celebrity Apprentice? I really wanted to know. What was oh, that like? Yeah, seriously. I wanted to know what that was like, that reality show. Well, this is not a political question. It's my No, 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 no. I don't want, I right. know, I don't okay. want, no, no, just yeah, the show itself. me and Donald are friends. Mm. I mean, he hired me. Oh, he no. could have hired anybody. No, 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 it's not, definitely not, I don't broach that You know, when he account. hired me for The Apprentice, to, you know, when you're going over those demographics of, let me get a, one black guy, one Italian guy, one Spanish guy, I was the Italian guy, yes. Ah, okay. When you think about it, was it, and I was from the Sopranos, and and you know, he he uh, he was supported. Um, uh, he wanted me to do it, and we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Now I I I'm gonna get myself in trouble, and, but and I never also he it. was able. I was able to raise fifty thousand dollars for my ex-wife's husband's charity. The love, uh, what is it called? That Lust Garden, Lust Garden Foundation for pancreatic cancer. We raised oh, fifty thousand dollars. I gave it a check right on television. That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. No, no. That's. Yeah, I was just wondering you know, how fun that was. Know, I don't want to talk politics no, about his. No, I'm not Whatever going there, he wants to do with the country. You know, but he's not a bad guy. Is know, that the question you wanted to ask me? Yeah, I just wanted to know what that was like because I, you know, it's just, you know, he, he you've got it. I've watched. Well, I've the show. I didn't see yours. behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, not behind the scenes because they what they did with my episode. You know, I was with I was at um, a roast, yep. and he was sitting with um, the president of NBC, uh, and and he said, "Vinny, come here." And he introduced me to the guy, and he said, uh, I, "I just want you to know that we went two hours because of your show, my show, the one I did with him, where Pierce wants me to be the rat. It right. was normally an hour. We went two hours. Really? Yeah, and he ended with me walking away with the um, the Journey song." Don't stop believing. <laughs> so he cashed in on me. So I'm gonna have to check this out because I, yeah, I, I never funny. seen it. Yeah, it was It was good. It was good. I'll was have good. to check it, it out. Yeah, now, it was good. Now, what do you? What was your experience like on Broadway? Broadway. What? Well, my first experience on Broadway was uh, doing Chicago with Aida, and it was crazy because we had just got cast and they had a strike, right. so we couldn't work with the actors, and we had to work in a room. All of a sudden, the strike's over. We're on stage. And you got 1,500 people out there at least. Wow. You know, so that's when they, you know, that's when we, you know, that's when we broke our cherry, me and Aida. But we had a good time. It was great. Great, great, great. Which took me into the confidence of doing Bullets. Right. And that's uh, a Woody was, Allen, right? Yeah, Bullets over Broadway, Woody Allen. I'm right. working with Woody right now. Really? On what? They, I can't tell you. 
Okay. <laughs> it's a secret. We'll find out eventually. No, so, I so I, I, again, I did my homework, and I didn't realize you could sing, Vinny. I know you, you, know, you, you, you well, said that you do this. You know, I had a club, and if they wasn't going to let me go on up there sing with them on the Tuesday Night Jam, nobody was going to get paid. <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is when you're in club business, you know? You do what the hell you, you want. Know, everybody gets it. Even Duke uh, over in Pleasantville. Uh, uh, he gets up on with his jam, you know. He, he you know, yeah. that's what it is with a jam. You gotta let the club owner get up there and sing, otherwise you're not gonna get paid. Well, I want to take a quick little musical break to share with our listeners a little Vinnie Pest story with Helene York doing "G Baby, Ain't It Good to You." We'll be right back with Vinnie Pest story right after this. Holy shit! Love makes me treat you the way that I do. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing too good for a girl that is true. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? I bought you a baby doll with golden curls, a platinum bracelet, a string of pearls. Love makes me treat you the way that I do. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? You never get me the things that I crave. No, baby, you're not good to me. If you would please me, I might be your slave. But uh uh-uh, you ain't good to me. Look, baby, I promise I'll have your name in lights. The only way you'll ever have my name in lights is if I change it to exit. If I was pampered, I wouldn't be blue. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? Get me out of the chorus. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? A promise is a promise. I'm going to make you a star. Now, come on, get dressed. We're going up to Harlem. Harlem? The Cotton Club. (laughs) Gee, baby, you are so good to me. What have I been saying? And remember, I want to be a star. I want to play Lady Macbeth like I did in Union City, only this time not in pasties. Baby, ain't I good to you? me treat you the way that I do. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? Oh, baby, you're good to There's me. There's nothing too good for a girl that is true. That's me. Gee, baby, ain't I good to you? You're listening to Just Around the Corner on Niagara's Internet Radio 4680Q. I've got Vinny Pastore on the line. That was Vinny and Helen York from the Broadway musical Bullets Over Broadway. What'd you think, Vinny? I dug that out. 
Wow. I, you know what? I, I told like the guys we got to do that with the show. They don't listen to me. It's that's really good. I turned yeah, it off. Yeah, that's an old Louis Armstrong song. Is it? Oh, yeah. see? I didn't know that. It was, yeah, it was I great. I think better now. <laughs> well, you did a great job. I was, I was, uh, I, I just threw Vinnie Pastore, Vincent Pastore into threw me Spotify. Under the bus. No, no, I threw it on Spotify, and I'm like, can I find something where he's singing? That like, was I, cute. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. You. No, it was, it was great. Do you, you enjoy singing? Like, do you? Yeah, I have fun. I have fun. Well, you got you to have you fun. Yeah, so tell me fun. about Killer I Joe. I mean, you can't get too serious about it. You know, no. I'm not Elvis, you know. Yeah, I'm exactly. who I am. Exactly. You know? Yeah. What about Killer you Joe know? and the Gangster Squad, though? Where, did you sing when you were with them? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, of course. Okay. Um, uh, we open up uh, with Green Onions, and then we go into a couple of tunes that I do on Broadway. I do uh, <clears throat> Sit Right Down by Big Joe Turner. I do Where or When, more like a swing, like a Dean Martin thing. Nice. Then I do, I later on, I do Gloria, like a Van Morrison oh, really? type riff. Yeah. Very cool. And then I do a duet with Killer Joe, uh, Sweet Home Chicago, Kansas City. And I do Stand By Me with Buddha. So I sing, you know, otherwise people are going to want their money back. And you do and you do a little blues there. There you go, Sweet Home Chicago. Yeah, I do that. a little blues. But I want to start doing more blues. So we're going to do something a little different in August down at the cutting room. I'm bringing in some different guys, and we're going to go after a different sound. Very Is cool. that crazy at my age? No, no, I think that's great. You just keep you just keep pushing, yeah, Vinny. It's great. It. You keep going. Yeah, I'm bringing so, in some different guys. So now, I, I told everybody earlier, you've been a big part of Light of Day Canada. You've also been a part of Light of Day down yeah, in Yeah, let's Asbury. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So how did you get involved, and why did you get involved? I know the story, but tell our listeners yeah, why you got involved. Yeah, I know involved. you know the story, David. Well, uh... You know, we were talking about Bocce uh, before, Tony right. Amato, from Bocce Gloop and the Bad Boys. Uh, Tony co- used to come to my gig, my club, Crazy Horse. He used right. to come up and play in my club with George Thies. Oh, really? Yeah, he brought me George Thies. Wow. And he brought me the Fairlaners. I don't know them. Well, the drummer from the E Street Band. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Max was in it? Or do you mean? No, the guy before that. Uh, there was Boom Carter? Yeah, that was his band. Really? Okay. Yeah, he brought me them. And then he came up with his band. Wow. Bocce Galoop and the Bad Boys. Well, who Bocce I love. Galoop and the Bad if Boys. you guys haven't, look look for them on Spotify, folks. He's mentioned them three times. Their, yeah. their album, It's My Turn, is fantastic. Look at it. Yeah. Them. And Bocce, Bocce became uh, my Jersey house band. And then I had a group called The Bangs from northern New Jersey coming over. Uh uh, so I had a lot of Jersey guys in my club. I had another band called Lost in the Shuffle. You know, they were coming up, and then uh, uh, JT Bowen came up one oh, night. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And then I had Harvey Brooks playing in my club. He write he wrote about me in his book. And then I had uh, Lester Chambers. Very cool. It was crazy. It was really great times. And uh, and Bocce and I became friends. Okay. So now when this light of day things happen, he said, "Do you know Bobby Benjamin?" I said, "He's from New Rochelle, New York." He's from New Rochelle, too? Bobby's from New Rochelle. I didn't know that. He went to the same high school I got. Wow. My mother died from Parkinson's. And that I knew, yeah, I'm sorry. So now I got this connection. So Bocce said, come down. They want you to co-host a show with Gary. I said, me? They said, yep, you're a big pussy. Come down. I get down there on a Sunday afternoon. Who's backstage? Bruce and Patty. <laughs> and Bocce said, Vinny, he's running the show tonight. And that's the first that was the second time I met Bruce. The first time I met Bruce was at a soprano 
uh, party. Stephen introduced me to him. And then I, I, I started uh, getting involved with Light of Day, and that's how it all started. Ah, okay. Pony. Yeah, now, when was the last time you were down in Asbury for Light of Day? We were just there this year. I wasn't there this year because my I have a problem uh, driving. Okay. So if I get if I don't have anybody who wants to go on the road with me to do these particular things, right, you kind of then I can't go. You can't. I was now. It's not that I don't want to go. Now you did several lighted days here. You did lighted in Niagara. You were in Toronto. You did Kingston. You did Hamilton. Uh, what do you, give us? Do you have any memories? Like I, I uh, let me just tell everybody my a real quick story. A memory I have with you. I drove you and Gary Bonds. We, me and Mike Mervini, we drove you to the Buffalo Airport. And I remember I had to stop at home. I don't no, even no, remember no, this. You're going to tell that story on the uh, <laughs> No, it's not bad. No, 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 not the whole story, trust me. I'm just going to tell you. Look. First of all, it was the funny. It was the funniest. story? <laughs> no, no, no. no see, I that's gonna Michael. Go that's Michael's. That was Michael's story. Right, right. Okay, give me your story. Well, no, yeah. my story was just it was a very, very funny ride. You were hilarious. You were you – were, we, we, we use the term ball busting here in Niagara quite a bit. Yeah. And you were, you were really giving it to Gary all the way there, and I was trying to well, drive. Well, the, well and you I was know, crying. listen. You know, pot's legal. When we were coming up there, it wasn't legal. That's right. So when I came off the plane in Buffalo, Michael, yes. right, yeah, you're Michael, Michael yeah. says to me, if you got any drugs, get rid of them. They're going to check you <laughs> go through the border. So I threw all my shit in the garbage can. Yeah. We go across the border. The guy waves to me, hey, big pussy, blah, 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 <laughs> waves me right through. Yeah, I know. I turned to Michael. I said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> So then Gary tells us a story how he was crossing them to the border years ago, right. and they stripped the car. Yes. They stripped he the car. He was telling us that, that story. story? Well, you guys were talking about it in the car, and that's when you said, just be quiet and let me do the talk, and I'm that's big That's what pussy. I said. Shut up. Let me do the talk. <laughs> that's <story>. right. <laughs> but I remember before we left for the border, I had to quickly stop at home. And pulled up front, and you got out of the car and knocked on one of my neighbor's doors. Do you remember that? No. Why yeah. did I do that? Because you're big pussy. I remember saying uh, he's a big know. fan. All right. I so, don't know. Uh, you don't remember that? Anyways, that was no. kind of a funny story. But you were crushing poor Gary all the way. I, I was crying laughing. Yeah. You, were, you guys were having a good time. You guys are obviously really good friends to be able to say the things okay. you were saying. But what, was, what are some of the, your memories of coming to Canada? I mean, we've had some really good shows with you. and, and No, uh, I love, I love Niagara shows. Falls. I have a blast up there. I love it. I love Toronto. You know, I'm from oh. You know, Sam and everybody up there. You know, it's Sammy family. Gatti, I shot so. Gotti in, in Toronto. Oh, that's where we shot. Wow. Yeah, I shot on Queen Street, man. I also remember you. I lived up there. I shot that. I shot uh, I shot a lot of movies up in Toronto. But I also remember you. There was a you... time it was, they used to call it uh, Hollywood North. Really? Yeah. I would have yeah. thought that was Vancouver. Okay, Vegas. listen, I got to go because my meat is running out. Your meat is running. Okay, yeah. I was. I wanted to. I wanted to mention how I remember you making minestrone in the back of the Casadora, walking in the back, and you were there with the uh, the uh, cook at the Casadora restaurant when we had that one event, and you were back there. Uh, I don't know if you were making minestrone or what you were making with the with the uh, chef at the restaurant, but you were uh, you were yeah. like family when you came down here. You, yeah. you fit in perfectly yeah. well, in the Niagara scene. Okay. Yeah, that's the Italian. That's the way scene. it is. All right. Well, okay. It was well, really, really great talking to you. And, the, you know, it was, say hello to your son, 
and, uh, and put this thing together, and I'll come up there and I'll do what I got to do. Vinny, right? it's always fun talking to you. I love having okay. you on. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, guys. So All right. God best bless. of luck. God bless, buddy. Bye. Take care. That was Vinny Pastore. Uh, Y'all know him and love him from The Sopranos uh, with uh, James Gandolfini, Little Steven. They're all, like he said, one big family. But Vinny's been doing so many different things. If you follow him on Facebook, he's, you know, he's in a play. He's doing the Soprano show with uh, Michael Imperioli. He's, he's all over the place. And he was a great host. Uh, we loved having him. We hope to have him again soon. I had so many fun memories with Vinny here. Uh, it, it was uh, just great to have him on the show and him taking the time. And, you know, he said he only had 40 minutes, and we got to – the 40-minute mark, and he was ready to roll. So thanks, Vinny. Appreciate you having on. I'm really looking forward to uh, next week's show as well. We've, it's going to be in the studio. So we're back to in the studio. Our first show was Rick Rose here in the studio. But next week, uh, no phone calls. Uh, we're going to be in the studio with the great Dave Rave. He's become a really good friend. Uh, he's been working with my son, Evan. They got a, they have to have a new song that they're working on. It's almost... Uh, ready to record they were they were in the studio last night so dave rave from teenage head and you may know him from the shakers and uh dave rave group he's been in so many great uh bands he's a great writer great performer and another one of his bands is the second responders and jack siparek from the truths is in that band and jack's going to join us i'm quite excited to to have one of canada's uh a member of one of Canada's great groups, the Trues, have really become a big, big, big fan of them. My son's been a fan for a long time. They played Light of Day Hamilton, I think, maybe about seven years ago. And uh, they're fantastic. Dave's played Light of Day several times. So we'll talk about Light of Day, what they're up to, and, and uh, you know what's going on in their lives as well. I uh, appreciate everybody tuning in today. Remember that you can find us now on Spotify. Just search just around the corner on Spotify and you'll find our episodes. This episode will probably be up you know, sometime either later on tonight or tomorrow morning. I also post kind of a low-quality version because uh, i got to compress it to get it up on Light of Day Canada. So you go to lightofdaycanada.com slash podcast. You'll find it there as well. So really, really enjoy doing this show. Hope you guys are enjoying listening. We've got some great, great uh, interviews coming up. Uh, next week, like I said, is Dave Rave and uh, Jack Sipark from The Trues. The week after that, I do a little thing called Songs from Around the Corner, where I play songs from a lot of the different artists that play Light of Day, both here and down in Asbury Park. Songs you may or may not know. Uh, I'd like to get out some of that great music so everybody can hear it. So thanks very much. This is a song from a band. I'm going to end the show with this. I know you know it. The name of the band is Alabama 3. It's from their 1997, Al uh, I was going to say Alabama again, from their 1997 album, Exile on Cold Harbor Lane, and of course, the theme song from The Sopranos with Woke Up This Morning. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next Tuesday, 3 p.m. here on 4680Q, Niagara's internet radio station. This is Woke Up This Morning.
Welcome to Dave McMahon Unleashed. I am sitting here with the godfather of the grill, famous chef, Ted Reader, the barbecue king, and passionate chef. Good morning to you, Ted. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for driving all the way from Timbuktu to Niagara Falls. I know you're a big fan of Niagara Falls. I love Niagara Falls, man. It is awesome here. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I, uh, I love the falls themselves. I've flown over them. I've walked behind them. I've, I've taken that, the, the, what is it now called, the hornblower all the way up. <laughs> I love it. I can stare at those falls all day long. It takes my stress away. Um, it's it's a fun place. It is. And, and all the way up to Niagara on the lake. I love this area. My wife and I have been coming down here for 30 plus years, man. And uh, it's, uh, it's our second home. We love it. We Very love it nice. here. Yeah. And of course, I live in Chippewa, which is just connected to the falls. Yeah. But it is a beautiful place to live. And uh, like, it's not the wax museums that turn you on, right? No, 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 no. It's, uh, it, it's the water. It's the falls. It's any, favorite, the, the any, favorite, any favorite restaurants in Niagara Falls? Uh, well, I, you know what? We're, we're creatures of habit. And uh, we usually we get a hotel room. We're looking out of our window at the falls. And we're getting a Zappi's pizza yeah. to go. And we yeah. sit in our room and we eat pizza and drink bourbon and have a good fucking time. Uh, oh. It's that simple. Uh, I, you know, I like a great breakfast. So uh, Basil's, just around the corner from mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm. has always been one of my favorite haunts to go to. Yeah. And you know, they fry it all in butter. That's it. Well, you need it fried in butter, right? Or whirl, <laughs> something like that. But you know, you gotta. You know, I like I like it easy. I'm not a complicated guy. Uh, I'm unfortunately a chef, so I'm complicated enough as it is there. But really, the bottom line is, I just want it easy, man. When I'm off, I'm off. Yeah, yeah. Where'd you grow up, Ted? Uh, I grew up in Paris, Ontario. Yeah, Paris, Ontario. Yeah, I'm from Paris. There's a dog trainer out there, uh, John Menzies. Okay, don't know. Yeah, Paris, Ontario. Yeah. yeah. And so you went to school to become a chef at George Brown College? Yeah, 19, uh, 1983, I went to George Brown College, but I'd been cooking for uh, probably three or four years at that time. I started out washing dishes at the Holiday Inn in Brantford. And it was a shitty fucking job, I tell you. <laughs> and, and there were a lot of dishes. There were a lot of dishes. And I went to the chef. Did you wash them by hand? Oh, yeah. Well, you had a sprayer yeah, yeah, yeah. and you washed them and you had a machine to, to put them through. Yeah. But the pots and pans. And so I went to the chef and I said, this is a really shitty job. How do I learn to cook? Because I always liked cooking and I loved food. And I've been cooking since I was, you know, five or six. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> they... Uh, you know, he said, you get your dishes done, and I'll teach you how to cook. And it started out with, like, peeling onions and peeling carrots and peeling potatoes and stuff like that. But I got my dishes done. All and the prepping I, shit. And all that. But I am a professional dishwasher. I might be a chef, uh, <laughs> but bottom line is uh, I can wash a motherfucking dish. Those dishes and, are squeaky fucking oh, clean. Yeah. And, I, and still to this day, I find washing dishes completely calming. It takes that entire stress of my day or if i've got a puzzle i gotta figure out yeah uh, i go wash dishes and pots and pans because people leave me alone and i can just think through my thoughts now and vacuuming get does that for me vacuuming does yeah. that. it's very therapeutic and uh, uh but i don't know about washing dishes i think vacuuming cutting the grass does that for me i too. hate cutting grass <laughs> if i could pave my entire yard i would i think grass cutting <laughs> 
gardening. I can't stand it. Why do I need to be on my knees all day long? I've been <laughs> on my feet all day long in a kitchen. I, it, it's that's not my thing. I'm it's, surprised uh, you don't have artificial terrain. I, I haven't gone down that road yet. I just put barbecues in every spot in my yard, so it takes up all the space. Now, speaking of barbecues, I read on your website that you have a massive collection of barbecues. How many barbecues and smokers do you have? Do you have the exact number in your head? Well, at the highest point, it was 109. Grills, smokers, fire pits, different and things like that. And this is personal, yeah, personal, personal shit that personal you have at the house. Personal shit just at the house. Uh, I'm probably now, I've done a bit of purging. I'm probably in and around the 40, 45 mark at my house. And then at the restaurant, uh, I've taken a lot of some of my products because the the grills and smokers are large enough and we can use them in the restaurant. So I've moved about 25 of them to the restaurant that we cook on there. So uh, on any given week, I probably cook on two or three different types of grills or smokers. I never cook on the same thing. Uh, over and over and over again I need to learn I need to be able to you're still learning always always you can't stop you can't if you if you think you know it all I had a chef say to me he says he says I've written two books in my life and I don't know how I've run out of material he says I don't understand how you've done 21 books and you still have material I said because I, I I crave it I it's it's like people you know they get obsessed about eating yeah well I I just want to continue to create. I want to make things um, and and not complicated. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm almost fucking sixty years of age. Yeah. I don't need complication. No, you shouldn't need twenty five fucking ingredients in a hamburger. No. Like like Jamie Oliver's book. Yeah. Twenty five, twenty seven ingredients, and no disrespect to Jamie, I do like his cooking. But I don't want to have to fucking get 27, 28 different ingredients yeah. in a hamburger. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, yeah. too. Well, and, 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 and you've got to break it. Like, yeah. I look at some of my re- recipes that I've written. I haven't really... 21 books you've written on cooking and barbecuing. Holy yeah. shit. Well, it's, 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 it's just a thing I do. I like to write. I haven't written in a long time because uh, i got kids, and now they're teenagers. And, and <laughs> if you have teenagers, you have no life. Right, they just are your kids you. an, as annoying as fuck. Are they pretty good? My daughter is is a dream girl. She lives on another planet, uh, but she <laughs> she is she does that girl is surfing the clouds. I always say to her when I say good night, I say uh, I'll meet you on Milky Way. We'll have a shake, and <laughs> so she's she's she lives way out there. My son is the realist, but my son is like one of the laziest human beings on the planet. But that's okay. Uh, he's a fifteen year old boy. But he's a nice boy, and he's a helpful boy when, when you need his help. He just doesn't think about other stuff. And, and he'll eat anything, this kid. He'll eat anything, anything at all. It doesn't matter what it is that I put in front of him. Like an eyeball of an yeah, animal? he would do it. And, <laughs> and, but my daughter's like, no, man. Like, my daughter doesn't like steak. What? Okay? How can you be Ted Reader's daughter yeah, that's what I and say. not like steak? It's a texture thing. Because I could take that steak and grind it and make a burger... And she'll scarf it down like no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And ask ask for a second one. Yeah. But but if it's a steak, it's all about the texture. Yeah. And so she she doesn't like that firm bite of a texture. My wife doesn't either. My wife yeah. would prefer to have chicken or a burger or yeah. you know veal parm or yeah. you know liver and onions, but she doesn't care for the texture. Yeah. Of a steak. Yeah, my daughter, if it's pasta base. That's it. She's in heaven. She's right now, she's in Italy on a high school culinary field trip. 
and she's in heaven because it's pasta every day, right? <laughs> and there's no weird shit. There's no hearts and livers and lungs coming out to the table. And you love that organ meat. Yeah, I find it challenging because I want to learn different ways to cook it. I mean, people eat every part of the animal, and you can eat every part of the animal. Is it true it, that liver is good for our liver? Yeah, liver is good for your liver, but liver is good for, <laughs> for iron and protein. Yes. And But you can't, there's cholesterol in liver, liver, so you have to be careful about the amount that you eat. It's not something you want to eat every day, but it's a good source of protein, yeah. and it's a great product. And the key to liver, because I know everybody out there has grew up with a mom that cooked liquor, liver, oh, yeah. and it was like your shoe. Yeah. Hard and leathery. Yeah. Trust me this. Go to your local butcher. Ask them to cut you some veal liver, Ontario veal liver. Okay. And you want them to cut it in about a half inch thick. Yeah. And then you take that out. You put a light amount, a very small amount of oil all over it. Season it with salt and pepper. Get your grill nice and hot and grill that liver to medium doneness, even medium rare. A little bit of pink. A little bit of pink. And then take it off. And you will have the best liver going. Put a little bacon on the side. Orgasmic. Orgasmic. It's orgasmic, man. I'm telling you, it is. My mom was a shoe leather maker. She was like really great <laughs> at making. that fucking liver. Oh, it was fucking dead. It was dead beyond dead, right? And I remember I, I went to work at this restaurant in Toronto. It was called Rhodes. And they had liver, veal liver on the menu. And it was sweeter than beef liver, which is a little more pungent in flavor. And so I had this veal liver, and I, my parents came to dinner. And I was joining them for dinner, and I ordered the liver. And my mother's like, what? You don't like liver. I said, no, I like liver. I like liver that's cooked properly. I this like, liver I, is cooked uh, properly. I like this liver, Mom. Yeah, this yeah, is the liver I like. That's it. That and the green beans I ate. And she's like, you hate green beans. And I'm like, no, I hate brown green beans. They're called green beans for a reason. They should be green, right? Not brown. <laughs> so Now, was your mom the type that would boil the fuck out of asparagus? Because my mother used to do that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I only had fast-fried asparagus with mushrooms, you know, in a little bit of olive oil when my wife Debbie did it for me for yeah. the first time. It was like, this is great. Yeah. I had asparagus that was, like, boiled and chewy yeah. and, you know, ugh. Yeah. I, I find the best asparagus like we do at, at our house is uh, <laughs> I put them into a, into a container. I put a, like a, a glass container and I put a lid on it. I put a little couple tablespoons of water in the bottom of it. And I put them in the nuker for two and a half minutes. And you have the best steamed asparagus or green beans or broccoli or anything. You don't need, uh, you don't need butter. You don't need cheese. You just eat the vegetable as is because it's got flavor and it's got color, and it looks delicious, and that's all you need. You know, you yeah. want a little salt, pepper, and a squeeze yeah. of lemon. Boom. And it's easy, right? And it's healthier that way. You know, I want to get your opinion on some of the following barbecues. Okay. Um, you and I have a mutual friend, Mike Kondurka. Yeah, Enviro Niagara. Enviro Niagara. I recently purchased a Napoleon barbecue from him. Really enjoy it. What's your opinion on the Napoleon barbecues? The Canadian-made Napoleon barbecues. You like them? I do. I, 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 well, I like, I like every, every grill and smoker out there. Yes, oh, Napoleon's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I was sponsored by Napoleon for years and, and have done business with Napoleon for years. Yeah. Uh, great products, uh, consistent, super uh, good parts department if you should have a problem with them. Uh, they'll have parts for them dating back 
15 plus years. All you need is the serial number on the back of your Napoleon, and you can get parts for it. I've got the big fancy Napoleon. This thing does everything but blow you. Okay. I'm telling you. Okay. This fucking uh, thing. There's one thing I've never had happen is a grill blow me, but I mean, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> this fucking barbecue's got all the bells and whistles. I paid more for this than I did for my first car. Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but you can also do charcoal on that. Yes, and, that's what you were saying. Napoleon's, I have to read the manual. <laughs> well, it's important to read the manual. Most, I never most did. guys won't read the manual. I didn't read the fucking manual. No, I just started to, using it. Yeah, you need to read the manual because <laughs> you'll learn a little bit about it. That in that manual, it'll tell you how to do charcoal on your Napoleon. One of the best accessories for that Napoleon is their tumble basket. Okay. And so you put wings in there, and you'll have kick-ass wings every time you do them. You're kidding. And, uh, no, it's it's a fantastic accessory that works. It works in, in conjunction with the, the rotisserie. I love the rotisserie. Yeah. So they're in the basket, and, and that's it's it. just And they turning. just bounce around in there, you know, 40 minutes, and they're done. And they're perfect oh. every time. You don't have and to worry about sitting there flipping them individually no, like no, if you no, dust no. the make wings. Like, make life easy. Put my bone dust barbecue seasoning rub on them. Throw yeah. them in there. When you do, take them out, toss them in sauce, eat them up, and have a good time. I'm holding it right here. Ted Reader's uh, Barbecue Rubs Original Bone Dust. I can put this in my burgers. I can put it on all my meat, put it on my scrambled eggs. Let's continue on your opinion of certain barbecues. The Weber. I've got an old charcoal Weber. You love the Webers? You must. I do. I have uh, a number of different Webers, and uh, somebody asked me, you know, do you need to have a Weber kettle in your arsenal of grills? <laughs> The answer is yes. It is. It's an iconic grill. Uh, it established that backyard barbecue grilling and smoking. So you can grill with a Weber kettle. You can smoke with a Weber kettle. It's cost effective. You're not blowing the budget. Uh, but what it is, it requires work. Charcoal requires work. And, and patience. And patience. You've got to have fucking patience, patience if yeah. you're going to cook with charcoal. Well, you have to. The problem that people make with, with cooking with charcoal is one, is they don't have the patience to allow that charcoal to get to the right temperature. So they think when the coals have the flames, it's all set to go. Yeah. You actually need no flames, and the coals need to be white. Yes, hot. I've learned this, Ted. I've and learned it the hard way by screwing up good, expensive steaks yeah. and either burning them, putting yeah. them on too soon, yeah. or waiting till it got too low in temperature, low. and then you're screwed. So a little trick is you take your hand. So once you get your coals there, what you want to wait is so that all the flame goes away, and now the coals are white. And so you, you can't just disappear and say, I'm going to fire up my charcoal and I'll come back in a half an hour. No, Your you can't go for a shit and then... No, you no. just stick around. Have a beer, right? Yeah. If somebody says, I need you to do this, you say, when the charcoal's ready. But when the charcoal's ready, I'm going to cook. So you have to wait till the coals get to that white hot. Take your hand, hold it six inches above the grill grate, which will be, um, be about nine inches above the coals, right? And you count. If you can count to five, yeah. they're cold. Okay. If you can count to two, they're hot. If you can barely count, they're super hot. And this is the barometer that you advise That's that we go with. That's the easiest way to know what that temperature is. Good. And then, and when you're looking for white hot charcoal that way, it's a it's a direct hot fast grill, like a burger, like a pork chop, like a steak or a chicken breast, right? If you're going to smoke a pork shoulder, then you want a small amount of coal to get hot to create heat, but you need to keep that heat monitored so that you keep the the temperature down low. So yes. it's low and slow for a long period of time. 
Yeah. And But the, the biggest rule, there's two rules in barbecue. Number one rule is don't fuck it up. And the number other number one rule is you got to have patience. And if you have patience, I've learned it. you I've won't learned fuck it. it up. I've learned that you've got to have patience when you're cooking and barbecuing. And I've learned that you've got to monitor it. When you've got stuff on the grill, you've got to be with it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, you've got to be with it. And, okay, uh, I know you're a fan of the green eggs. Yeah. What I want to ask you uh, is they've got the Kamado Joe. Yeah. And when you put the Kamado Joe up against the green egg as a barbecue, is the green egg truly better or are they relatively comparable? I was told that the clay used in making the green egg comes from a different part of the world and it's better than the Kamado Joe. I realize they're competitors. Well, I, I believe that the clay for a big green egg comes out of Mexico. Okay. And I believe that the Kamado Joe uh, comes out of Asia. But okay. I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. Um, for me, there are different bells and whistles on both that, that work really well. Okay. They are both Kamados. They are basically a ceramic shell. Right. And you cook with the lid closed. You can smoke on it. You can do barbecue on it. And pizza? you can grill on it. You can do pizza on it. You can put a pizza stone in it. You, you can def defuse the heat and then, then keep things down for low and slow. You can cook at 600 degrees if you want. You can cook at 200 degrees I gotta if you want. i got to get one. And they're worth it. The difference, um, price-wise, they're pretty comparable. The the system I think the new system on the Prima or on the uh, on the on the KJ's are on their large yeah. one they have this uh, I can't think of the it's a it's basically a, a diffuser but it circulates it helps push the air and get it to uh, swirl yeah. and create more convection so there's a bit of a fan so you, it's created this own movement inside yeah, like a convection oven. that's it and and it has a little lock when you like an air fryer like an air fryer so they, it does both are great um it, you know really comes down to do you like red or do you like green and then if you want black go primo and if you want metal and put it on the back of your car go a big steel keg from yeah. uh broil king big keg yeah and it it's uh, you know there's it, it you have to look at your budget and what are you going to cook and how hard do you want to work yeah. Right, that's the key. Yeah. Now the Traeger, the Traeger. Everyone says the Traeger is the best one for smoking. Well, the the, the what what Traeger does is gives you consistency. It's a set it and forget it. Uh, not meaning that you can just walk away completely, but it has all these electronics that tile into it. You can monitor it from your couch or your car. You can put things in the probes in, and it's self feeding and it does everything for you. It's an easy way to cook, and it produces great results. Um, it, again, comes down to how hard do you want to work. If you want to light fires and add smoke uh, and wood chips and chunks, that takes work. You know, yeah. plug it in and turn it on doesn't take as much work. What is your true, truly your favorite method of barbecuing? You're going to use pellets. You're going to use charcoal. I'm, I'm live fire. So I have a restaurant called The Joint Barbecue. It's out in Whitby in Brooklyn, Ontario at the Eldorado Golf Club. We're only open mid-May through uh, Thanksgiving. What we, a sweet gig that is. It's, uh, it's <laughs> a fun, it's a beautiful little course. Friday nights is our live music night. And, uh, and we focus on three things, brisket, burgers, and pizza. Oh. 
and everything we do at the joint is live fire. And probably 90% of what I cook on at home now is live fire. I fire up my gas grill when I don't have much time and I'm in a hurry and I'm just making burgers for the kids. Yeah. It's it so it depends on what it is. But now I want to I want to ask you do you ever throw a frozen burger on and I'm not talking about something that you made homemade and then put in the freezer. I want to know if you've ever taken a frozen burger manufactured by one of these big companies because you were in a hurry just took it out boom threw it on. Uh, I, haven't, have I haven't cooked a frozen burger in my backyard in over 20 years. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I do do cook frozen burgers. In my previous life, uh, I was the corporate uh, development chef for a little grocery store chain called Loblaws and President's Choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I developed a lot of their frozen box meat program. Yeah. And um, back in the 90s, all their frozen burgers were developed uh, by me with major manufacturing. So my other life is product innovation. Uh, I used to teach here in, in Niagara Region at uh, Niagara College. I taught uh, uh, a product innovation program. And how do you take a concept recipe and take it all the way through to being a product on a grocery store yeah. shelf? My specialty is in the meat category, and I've spent a lot of time in there. I've worked for burger companies, rib companies, chicken companies, fish companies, uh, vegetarian companies, beverage sauce, bakery, you name it. I've, I've worked on different projects for, for major chains from Burger King and McDonald's all the way down to little companies and startups. And it's about trying to offer the consumer something else at a good quality and and start those cottage industry industries to become a bigger area so for me the development of burgers and fully cooked chicken wings i've been in most of these processing plants you've seen, seen behind the scenes and i know what goes on <laughs> and when jamie oliver lost his stuff about pink slime um really um pink slime what is pink slime yeah so i'll just give you a, a little bit of it for overview. those that don't know that don't know <coughs> It's, it's natural pink slime, okay? They're not adding color into the meat or anything it's else. It's natural. It's like buddy, uh, belly button lint. Right. But it what it is, well, actually, in my belly button, you'll find an M&M. It's good luck. <laughs> they, they, you know, they don't melt in your belly button. You can last one there for six months. Uh, just got to lift up the rolls, and you'll find it in there. It's like a quick snack when you need one. Oh, I got a belly button. There's my M&M. So, uh, <laughs> right? But they, well, I can't even remember where we were there. Oh, pink slime. Yeah, pink so what slime. It is, is they have to be cost effective. And so in processing, there is a machine that takes the carcasses of the chickens. Yeah. And it basically it compresses them and separates the meat from the bone. But it breaks the bones down. And on the inside of the bone, you have the, 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 the blood and the plasma. Yeah. And, and that goes into and mixes in with the meat of the chicken. And the chicken meat is already slightly pink. Yeah. So you add a little bit more of that red color to it, and you get something that's a little bit pinker. It's still pure chicken. Yeah, um, but it's a concern to some. Eh, to some. It, it, listen, it's it's not like you took a chicken breast and made a nugget from it, right. which is which is pure chicken primal cut meat, and it's it's perfect. This has, you know, it's got everything else that's there, and it's mixed in, and they add a certain percentage of fat and a certain percentage of skin. Yeah, to create those nuggets. Um, you really want to know what's in it? Read the ingredient deck. That'll tell you. <laughs> right? If you can't understand half those words, you shouldn't be eating it. 
I want to jump over to burgers. Okay. Um, my favorite way to, to cook a burger is on a cast iron pan. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are about doing burgers on a cast iron pan, but to me, you can do a pretty damn good burger that way. Oh, I, I, I think but, uh, on a plancher or a cast iron pan for sure, man. But, yeah. but I want to know, Ted Readers, uh, uh, like a little recipe for the audience, just a basic burger with with not very many ingredients like a nice ground chuck of course um i i want to ask you do you ever put breadcrumbs in a burger i used to i don't anymore i used to i've, I've i do things a little bit differently so uh well first we'll answer because it's not a fucking meatloaf no and but you, <laughs> but, but texture comes into play okay so there, there's a lot of things so to make a great burger you have to have great meat if you go to the grocery store and you go in and you find that tray pack meat yeah. and it's pre-ground and it's got the yeah. nice plastic film, there's a certain percentage of moisture that's in that. Okay. And if you ever notice you take that ground meat and you throw it in the frying pan and there's all this water that comes out of it, because in that processing, they're allowed through regulations to have a certain percentage of water. Some people use... Uh, carbon dioxide to cool things down. Other people, you know, when they're making sausages, they'll throw crushed ice into it. Keeps the meat cold through the process, yeah. but it also adds moisture because moisture is free. It's yeah. cheap. Yeah. And, and so meat is expensive, water is cheap. So you, but if you go to your local butcher and you ask them to grind meat for you, you get pure meat. They're not adding in that water. Yeah, better to and go to the butcher. Better. So buy it. I, I like a burger that's made with ground chuck. Yep, with same. about 25% fat in it. Yep. You need the fat. Fat is flavor. A lean burger has no flavor. That's right. Just on a Dave, you and me, we're fucking delicious. That's right. Skinny little guy that just walked past this window here, not tasty at all. No. All right? That's, that's what never, it comes never, never trust a skinny cook. I read that's that it. on a t-shirt once. Fat is flavor. And yes. so in a burger, you need to have a right balance between meat and fat. Yeah. And then I form that burger into a patty. And, and you don't play with your meat very much when you make. I don't put anything in it. I just take that meat. I take it out of the package. I kind of mix it around in a bowl with my hands just to extract a little fat so that it sits together, sticks together. And then I form my burger and I put it in the fridge and it's got to rest in there an hour. Okay. And then I spray it with a little nonstick cooking spray or I brush it with a little vegetable oil and it goes out onto a hot grill and I grill that burger and then I hit it with some salt and pepper on one side and when I flip it I put more salt and pepper on the other side. Yeah. And I cook it till it's an internal of 160 degrees, which is just well done. You getting this, people? And Burgers 101. Listen right. up. Burgers 101. And then you can eat it. If you're going to grind your own meat in your house, yeah. then I'd eat that burger medium rare at my place. But, but the uh, restaurants, they have a law, right? With well, the a law. We have to cook to 160 degrees unless you're grinding your burgers in-house and you're doing it fresh every day with primal cuts. And that that is, you know... The key is not to push all the juice out of it. So now we talk binders. That's a beef burger. So that's what I that's what I prefer. Yeah. A little salt and pepper, or I can hit it with some of this Ted Reader's famous yeah, I barbecue wouldn't even rub. I wouldn't even flavor it that way unless you want that barbecue flavor. Some people put flavor. chopped onion in the burger. And they you know, remember my mom used to take uh, onion soup mix, powdered yes. onion soup mix? Yep. So you take a pack of that and two pounds of ground beef, yep. throw it in, mix it up. Perfect burger every time. Worth doing everything. In the olden days, they yeah. did that. If you want your burger to be a little bit beefier, just take that. You've got, you, you know, the uh, concentrated uh, beef, beef broth. stock. Broth yeah, yeah, the, the beef bowl. Bottle. Put a tablespoon of that in your ground meat, and you'll pop up the beef flavor. Okay. And if you are worried that there's too much moisture in your burger, 
throw in a tablespoon of potato starch. It'll grab all that residual uh. moisture and keep it in your burger and help hold your burgers together. And then it's gluten-free as well, and you're not adding breadcrumb. Things like chicken burgers, turkey burgers, even pork burgers, and uh, fish-based burgers, put uh, potato starch or corn starch or tapioca starch into that mixture. And I usually run about a tablespoon per pound, pound and a half of meat. And your burgers, pre-make them, put them in the fridge, and they'll hold together on your grill beautifully. But and let them sit in the fridge for an hour. Yeah, you got to be patient, Let them man. sit in the fridge. And burgers can go on the grill, correct me if I'm, if I'm right or wrong, Burgers can go on the grill uh, directly from the fridge. It's cool. You don't have to worry about letting the burger no, reach room never. temperature. So health and safety, the two from rules the to remember. From the fridge to the grill, from the freezer to the grill. You never thaw a frozen burger. No. Ever. No. People you, do, but you're not You should to. never do that because, one, they, they, they tend to fall apart. And, two, you, you activate the bacteria when it gets into that, that unsafe zone. Yeah. And so... From the freezer to the grill, from the fridge to the grill. All your meats should come from your fridge. Fish, chicken, beef, pork, everything from the fridge to the grill. If you want to make sure that you're safe. People say, oh, let your steak come well, up to Well, that's what I uh, was led to believe. I've been doing it wrong all these fucking years. Yeah, because, years? You're, you know, unless you're going to have it rare. Okay. It's on and off. You can let it come up to room temperature. But really, you're talking about a grill. If you're cooking a steak on a charcoal grill, the charcoal is going to be 600, 700 degrees, right? If you put a, a, a lukewarm steak on there, one, it becomes flimsy. And so it kind of flops around, and it doesn't hold its shape as nice. Yeah, flimsy well, like a limp right. dick. You, you know? can take a steak out of the fridge 15 minutes before, and that's all you need to do. I've been letting it sit for an hour, the ah. steak, at room temperature, yeah. because so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so yeah. and so-and-so said, you got to do that. Let it yeah. rest for a couple hours. One day you'll hours. have the shits, and that'll end that move, right? Okay. You, food safety is extremely important. Well, you know this. You own a yeah. restaurant. You're a master fucking chef, so I'm going to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just I'm, a guy that loves to fucking cook, man. And you only flip the steak once, or is that bullshit? Uh, I twist it, get those yep, nice sexy X, X marks, and then I flip it. And then I let it cook for a few minutes, and then I usually shove it to the side, close the lid, and let it rest and come up to the internal temperature I'm looking for. Okay. And so that's, you know, it's patience. Salt, pepper, garlic. What do we got going there? Somebody calling in? <laughs> crazy place. I'm telling you, things are going crazy. Uh, well. Now, there's there's a lot of steps. Before we went live, Ter, there was quite a few steps to the to the burger. Right. We're talking about this. Do you remember we were talking well, about this? Well, in, in when you so in in food service, yes. right? And and the world is changing. So one, getting quality labor is very difficult. So we have to make. Uh, the job a little bit easier for the people that you do have working in your kitchens. And you don't have uh, an unlimited supply of staff nowadays. A lot of people don't want to work in restaurants right. or in hospitality. So you need to modify the way that you think and the way that you produce your food products in, in your restaurant. So you got to take movements away. For example, a burger, you've got to butter the buns, you've got to toast the buns. You then put your, your, you know, your special sauce on there. You've got lettuce, tomato, onions. Maybe you've got pickles going on that thing. Uh, then there's the cheese, and then there's the bacon. And then you have to assemble all of that. All of those are individual movements, yeah. and they take time. And so by the time you've done a burger, you know, you've made 15 different moves. So if you, can, if you can change that to being that, 
you know, instead of having two sauces, you put one sauce and one condiment and then lettuce, tomato, onion, you've pre-stacked them so that you just grab one little bunch and you eliminate movements. Uh, we have to make jobs in the kitchen There's a lot of easier. There is. There is. It's not a, you know, the, the working in a kitchen in my old school days uh, wasn't easy. I had pots and pans thrown at me. Uh set on fire, stuff like that, like stupid jokes, stupid things. There's no tolerance for that anymore. We're all working hard. We're all there trying to make a living. We all need to be respectful of each other. Old school doesn't really count anymore. We have to change. And it's hard for an old guy like me. You know, the way that I was, was, was trained and to change that method, change is hard for a lot of people. Yeah. And so you, you have to be respectful of the people you have working for you. You have to train them. You've got you a good team. To, you've trained them well. Yeah, you, 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 and, and the, the thing about the restaurant industry, it's forever changing. So, you know, you're going down one road, just get ready to get sideswiped and knocked down a different path, and you've got to adapt and, and, and adjust to it. It's like you're a Navy SEAL. Um, you've got to be at the ready all the time for when shit happens. Yeah. Because you don't want to be in the shit. We got. I want to jump all over the map, as I always do, and cover as much ground as I can. Air fryers, they're selling like hotcakes. I want to know if you, Ted Reader, cook anything in an air fryer at the house. Yes, I do. I, uh, you enjoy I, your air I, fryer? I, I just got an air fryer Did recently. You? I got a Ninja with uh, dual baskets, yeah, so yeah. you can cook two different things at Ooh, once yeah. and at different temperatures. Yeah, yeah. And so it's very cool. Uh, I have done fries. That was the first thing in there. I've done shake and bake chicken in there and shake and bake wings. Uh, I've, I've, I've done a grilled cheese in it and it's kind of cool. Uh, I've reheated, uh, breaded pork chops or breaded chicken Reheat or pizza, just, it comes out oh, sweet. it's amazing, right? Um, but so it's it, gotta be on the rack so the yeah, air gets underneath You it. gotta have, there's a rack in these yes. ones that, that raise it up about a half an inch yes. from the bottom. So you get that air moving around and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's got a place. Uh, it's fucking huge. Takes up a lot of counter space. But you've got to get like I've got a gas stove with the air fryer built into it. Yeah. My daughter's like, no, no, that's a confectionery button, Dad. I said, no. Look, it says air fry. Right. That's what my new gas stove has. Yeah. Push air fry. I did for the first time lamb chops. Yeah. I was scared to do it, Dad. I was like, I'm gonna fuck these up. I took my marinated lamb chops, put them in the oven, hit air fry. Yeah. My God, they were delicious. Because I I was trying to think, how am I going to sear it in the air fryer? Is it going to come out as good as I would if I cooked it in a cast iron pan? Sure as shit, it was just as good. Yeah, for sure. It. Uh, I mean, you have to experiment. In, in my air fryer, you can put a whole little chicken in there and let it go. <laughs> That's not the way I would cook a chicken. I'd much rather roast it in the oven and turn my convection on. Or I'd rather take it out and shove a can of beer up its butt and do a beer can chicken out on my grill. Yeah. It uh, or throw it on the rotisserie, right? Yeah. Do you inject your birds? I brine them. You I brine, brine them. You brine yeah. them in the liquid. Uh, I like now. to brine them in in salt water. Uh, I use a little bit of apple cider at at my restaurant. We brine all our chicken and pork in uh, nice. apple cider that comes from the orchard at the golf course. Yeah. So it's uh, you know for us it's about making great food and having fun making food. I love the food industry. Uh, I love food and having respect for the food, you know, trying to be conscious about waste and portion sizes and costings. Are you, eat, are you eating more than the recommended calorie mm -hmm. intake for a man of your age? 
Oh, probably because I'm overweight and and well, uh, dumb fucking and, question and, and for me. It's to really ask a you. dumb fucking question, but yeah, <laughs> um, no, I. I so like, am I, Ted. So am I. I. I like I like everything that's bad for me, including bourbon and weed and stuff like that. And that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. you know that's my thing. I'm a bourbon lover. I am a bourbon lover. Also. Yeah. And you cook with with bourbon. Yes, but I, I don't. You know, when you cook with bourbon, you're wasting bourbon. You really should just drink the bourbon <laughs> and pretend you put it in. So I was, we were talking about cast iron pan burgers. So I had this uh, celebrity cookbook from I don't know the 50s or 60s. A, a friend had given to me, and I was flipping through it, and I went, <coughs> excuse me, there was the Dean Martin burger, Martin's Burgers, and so I'm reading this recipe, and it's really really simple. Uh, so it you takes uh, and so he must have been hammered when he wrote this recipe yeah. uh, on a typewriter, <laughs> and so it's uh, three ingredients. There's ground beef. Doesn't tell you any specific type. It's just ground beef, salt, and bourbon. Nothing else. And you get a, a cast iron pan hot. You throw salt into the cast iron pan. You form a burger patty and you throw it into the cast iron pan. No oil, no butter, no nothing. <clears throat> and then you cook that burger, you flip that burger. Uh, when you're done, you put that burger on a TV tray and drink some cold two ounces of chilled bourbon. There's no talk of a bun, lettuce, tomato, <laughs> onion, ketchup, mustard, relish, pickles. There's none of that. Um, that's how you serve it. So it was, it was very concise. So... I'm doing a, a TikTok for my TikTok channel, yeah. and it'll come up about this burger, and we're going to make it the actual Dean Martin way and see if it actually works, and then do, it, cool. do it my way, uh, tweaking it as if it was a proper recipe done. But uh, that's kind of fun. <clears throat> now tell us about the, the marinades that you have, the Ted Reader marinades, the Ted Reader bone dust. And you've also got your own line of barbecue sauce. Yeah, we, we have uh, a lineup of barbecue spices, uh, Ted Reader Barbecue. There's my original bone dust and uh, my steak spice, which are my best sellers. Super ma my, my steak spice um, makes for a delicious, delicious steak. You can get that at Enviro Niagara. And uh, here in Niagara Falls, you can get it at uh, Norsini uh, Butcher Shop. Yeah, and so they have it there. I have a jerk, I have a hot and spicy, and I have a, what's called Bollywood bone dust. And Bollywood bone dust is like curry powder added to bone dust, and mm, it's uh, it's Indian for white people. So it won't blow your head off. Yeah, but it gives you all those really nice sweet Indian flavors of cumin and garam masala and all the things that go with it. Um, <clears throat> and and the hot and spicy, I will say this. It's fucking hot and spicy. Don't think that it's not fucking hot and spicy. It will blow your head off. It's fucking hot and spicy. Right? When you get, you know, what I hate is you see a product that says it's hot and spicy, and then you take a bite out of it, and it's like, uh, yeah, I can taste a little bit of pepper, but yeah, there's nothing in there. one person's hot is not another person's right, hot. Right? I believe that if it's going to be hot and spicy, it should make you cry. Yeah. Right? Just like you got kicked in the sack. I'm surprised you've never come up with like a kick-ass hot, 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 hot sauce yet. I make at my restaurant, so we make a thing called... You make it in-house at your own we restaurant. We make it in-house, and it's called What the Fuck Sauce. And <laughs> uh, it's hot. It's made with fire-roasted ghost peppers that uh, are fermented, and then they're marinated in uh, bourbon. Of and course they marinated And then we bourbon. make that from there. Uh, we make these eggs called What the Fuck Deviled Eggs. And so we take that so same uh, fire-roasted <laughs> ghost peppers, 
and we pickle eggs with that, and so they heard they get served with a shot of Jack and a pickled egg, and it hurts, right? And <laughs> I believe, you know, I, I, I love to get your, your tongue needs to dance, right? And it's get about tongue dancing. get a dancing and having a good time, oh, right? Uh, open up them taste buds. That's it. That's it. Now, what about exotic meats? What are some of the <clears throat> exotic meats that you've either ate or cooked? I mean, you, uh, you know, cow cock, cow cock soup. Uh, uh, yes, I have. Iguanas. Had, have you ate the iguanas? I've never eaten iguana. Barbados, um, they love I've to fed eat. iguanas, but I've never eaten them. They love the eating iguana. iguanas, right, in yeah, Barbados? Yeah, they do. Uh, I've eaten scorpion, snake, boa constrictor, and rattlesnake. I've yep. eaten gator, yeah. um, heart, liver, lung. Kidney, brain, uh, oxtail, testicle. Uh, what kind of testicles have you ate? Lamb, Ted? mostly, because they're sweet. Say again? Lamb. Lamb testicles lamb are testicles. sweet? testicles, yeah. So I remember a little story. My daughter was doing her homework. She was sitting at the dining room table. <laughs> lamb and, testicles. And I'm in the kitchen, <laughs> and, I'm, and you have to peel the outer membrane off the testicle to get to the, to the flesh, right? This is fucking crazy. And so my daughter comes in the kitchen, and she's like, what's that? And I said, lamb testicles. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you want to see how they peel? <laughs> so she's like, that's disgusting, right? When are we having that? I said, that's dinner tonight. She said, I, I don't want lamb testicles for dinner tonight. I said, you got to try it. you got to try it at least once. Yeah. And so she'll always take a little bite, then little <laughs> testicles. She spit those out and uh, made my dad proud, right? And he's like, yeah, right on. Girl spitting shit out. That's what we need. <laughs> so she's she's a great uh, she's a great girl. But she but Jordan, my boy, he'll come in and he'll be like, "What's that? Testicles? Are they any good?" I said, "Try them," and he'll dive right in. No hesitation. No hesitation. So um, he's he's not into cooking. He's like, "Why should I cook? I have you." Yeah. Uh, my daughter cooks, but he's. Uh, but he is a critic. He is a, a food snob. He knows good food. He knows good food. He's, um, you know, his favorite foods are sushi, right? It's but sushi is <coughs> so popular with the young people nowadays. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, all these sushi restaurants, we're going for sushi. We're going. Yeah. And you don't even need to fucking like fish to go out for sushi because well, there's so many options. Exactly. And for him, though, it's all about the fish. So he'd rather a platter of sashimi. Than the nigiri with the rice or in a roll. He's like, oh, just I gotta give have me the, in the fish. roll with the rice. How about you? Yeah, I, li I like it always, right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm open to all of it. You'll chew on a big chunk of fish? Um, I don't mind. Like, I, I, I used to go fishing up in the Haida Kwai for salmon and, and halibut and things. And I remember I had a buddy over from England that was with me and we were fishing. And we caught a salmon and I said, you know, it's nothing better than just tasting it right out of the ocean. So we did. And it was absolutely delicious, but it's that fresh, right? Yeah. And you, you, you should never be afraid of food. You should experiment. You don't have to like it. But right? experiment. Experiment. I hate Brussels sprouts. I think that is the shittiest vegetable in the entire world. But how world. about if my wife took the little bitter core out, opened them all up, Ted, and then put some onion and bacon chopped up and fried it and served it that way to you? If something needs onions and bacon and garlic <laughs> added to it, it can't be any good. I look at it this way. If I can't take that shitty little green golf ball and put it in the microwave for two and a half minutes and it comes out and tastes like something delicious other than a sour dead cabbage, I'd, I'd be fine with it, right? You know, I do that with green beans and asparagus. In other words, you shouldn't have to doctor it up No, like you that. shouldn't have to doctor it up to make it taste good. I'm sorry. Brussels sprouts taste like shit. They're horrible. 
you can take those, you know, they should have a Brussels sprout golf tournament where you didn't get a titleist, you got a shittleist, right? Just this tiny little green golf ball and you whack the snot balls out of that. If it wasn't for the fact that that would be a waste of food, I'd be all for it. But since I don't believe in doing things like that, I'm never playing golf with a, with a Brussels sprout. Hey, Jeff, <laughs> that's good to know. Strong emotion toward the Brussels sprouts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just before we wrap up, uh, grilling fruit, it's nice to grill certain fruit. Uh, you, you've grilled avocado. Yes. You've grilled peaches. Yes. You've grilled watermelon. Uh, yeah, but that's stupid. That's stupid. You okay. grilled pears. Yes. What other fruits? Pineapple Can, is the best. Yes, with cinnamon. Uh, I soak it, it in rum. So oh I slice God, it, soak it in rum, and then uh, throw it onto the grill and grill it up just like that. And then you can use it on a pizza well, or you can put it wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. That's the climax of that's the it. show yeah. right there. Yeah. Soak the pineapple in rum. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, then you could hang it. I'm just having a dream of that. Because but how about putting the pineapple in bourbon? You could put it in bourbon. Uh, you could put it in, uh, well, you could put in a little bit of... Uh, um, uh, coffee liqueur as well, like Kahlua or uh, Tia Maria, with nice a squeeze of orange on that, and it'll be absolutely tasty, man. The whole key to life: get in your backyard, fire up a grill, and cook some tasty. Ted Reader, pleasure meeting you in person. Thank, Thank you, you so Dave. much for making this podcast super special. Have yourself a doggone great day, Ted. Thank you very much, Dave. Awesome. Thanks for having me, and uh, shout out to all my friends in Niagara region. Love you, man. Cheers. Take care, Ted. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Ciao.